They're so large. She imprinted on Jamie. Just because it says Star Trek doesn't mean I want to watch it. Bye. Welcome to this place in space, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. I'm Angelina. And I'm Sam. And we're recapping the series as we watch each episode for the first time. We don't know what happens to the characters or whether the crew even gets home, but we're definitely along for the ride. And today we're talking about the episode titled Hunters, Season 4, Episode 15. It was written by Jerry Taylor and directed by David Livingston. It first aired February 11th, 1998 to 3.8 million homes. IMDb says this is the one where Voyager starts to receive news from home, both good and bad. They also encounter the Herogen race, who only live to hunt and have their sights on Voyager. I say this is the one where Janeway and Chakotay are finally free to possibly get together. Can I start off with um, a correction from last week? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, last week, it, it really it, normally it wouldn't matter, except that we see these Herogen characters again. So I think last week I described them as looking like RoboCop when we saw them on like the view screen. That's the only way we really saw them was the one guy sitting at his little computer panel, right? Uh huh. But then we, when we watched this episode, it was obviously not RoboCop. It was more like Shredder from. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies from, like, the early 90s, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Or even, like, a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers bad guy or something like that. So... Yeah. With the costume. Well, and I will say, since we're talking about them, the they remind me of um, the Dominion... The, the Jem'Hadar. How so? Um, the so like they like to hunt. They get the they get the oh, scent, right. and they like to hunt. And the first time we ever saw the Jem Hadar was um, like they were he was trying to go on the perfect hunt. That was their thing, right? Yeah, was like that was they were they were just excellent hunters. Yeah, and they were they were like created by the Dominion for that specifically. Yeah. Um, and so like they go and they start. Uh, yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I, like, that's what it reminded me of, because they got the scent. Yeah. You know. Anyways. I think characters like that make good villains in Star Trek, because it's the opposite of Starfleet ideals mm. and Federation ideals, you yeah. know? It's just, like, a real base level of existence, mm-hmm. and even potentially emphasizing, like, cruelty against other species. Yeah. Where Star, where Starfleet and Federation are all about learning more about other species and not hurting them and trying to broker peace where you can. So I think we see those that dichotomy comes up a lot in Star Trek, just I because think- it's the antithesis of the Federation. Hmm. How did this episode start? This one called Hunters. Well, we start in space, and uh, there's a badly garbled transmission uh, floating through space, and it reaches the Voyager Bridge. And that message is traveled from the relay station that we saw last episode, so 
this is almost like a um, just a continuation of last yeah. episode, but not strictly. Like if yeah. you could have enjoyed "Message in a Bottle," it was called, right? Yes. You could have enjoyed that episode and not known what happened in this episode. That's correct. Uh-huh. But um, so I like this. They like they snuck it in a little. Bit yeah, like stuff. a little bit of con- uh, mm-hmm. continuity. Yeah, continuation or whatever. The bridge crew figures out that that message must be from Starfleet, and Kim cleans it up, and we get a little snippet of it, and it is indeed from Starfleet Command. The rest of the message is stuck in the relay station, so Janeway sends Voyager to retrieve it. So then we're on the Hirogen ship, and uh, these they kind of are like Shredder, the Shredder from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Sh- Turtles. Including the fact that they're so large. We'll talk about their, their size in a little bit. but They are. Yeah, and yeah. Shredder from the Ninja Turtles movie, They, I feel like that was one of the liberties that they took that I noticed. When I was however old, ten, when that when the movie came out and we saw Shredder, was that they made him like this gargantuan type figure. Oh yeah. Um, I'm not positive about this. Uh, email us to correct me, or but I want to say that there was uh, a wrestler named Kevin Nash, mm-hmm. who was at least one of the people in the Shredder suit, if not like the only guy in the Shredder suit. Not the voice, but just yeah, the, just the yeah, yeah. The body double or whatever. But um, but because in the cartoon he wasn't really that he was much basically bigger. just a regular sized man. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I think they use that same trick in this episode too. Mm-hmm. They they have these actors who are just really large, like up to around seven feet tall, but they notice that their mouths are covered, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's intentionally to hide the fact that those guys probably aren't saying the lines that the lines are being. Um, dubbed, you know, with other actors. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, um, um, so yeah, some, some parallels there with Shredder and these Hirogen. Yes. Um, and then, so these aliens also detected the transmission and they're on a course to intercept Voyager at the station. They've got their scent. It's very weird. Yeah. Um, back on the Voyager bridge. The crew wonders whether Starfleet has found a way to get them home. So quickly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Based on what happened in the message in the bottle episode. And then Janeway cautions cautions them not to be too hopeful this time. And at least uh, Starfleet let their loved ones know that they're alive last episode. Which is nice. Mm -hmm. And then it's established that Kim is really glad his parents know he's alive. And that's going to like be important for the rest of this episode yeah kim's gonna be real needy no she Mm -hmm. (laughs) i gave him something to do in this episode but it's it's not great it's be needy yeah no i I mean i would feel the same oh yeah everyone i mean you relate to kim yeah yeah janeway notes that if the relay station is working then messages can go back and forth between voyager and starfleet so they'll the she she talks about this a little bit later, but um they'll have like mail call almost yeah all the time which is nice yeah. yeah um so we go to the astrometrics lab because this is we got rid of the hula the cabana uh holodeck so we got to get used out of this astrometrics lab yeah it's true um, so uh it's like once a once an episode or at least once or oh, more yeah. once a way more it's yeah. like seven basically lives in there. Mm-hmm. And they always have some reason to go into there. Yeah. Which is better than what I was fearing at the beginning of this which season. Which you should be in with Which was that they'd all be in engineering all the yeah. time. Or, yeah. 
And they've done a little bit of that, but now I think they've firmly got her as a astrometrics. She's not an officer, but that would be her position Focus. if she was an officer. Yeah. Um, the doctor has come to check up on Seven since she hasn't come in for her regular appointment. And she's been working, working way too much collecting pieces of messages from the relay station. And she's real intense about it. And this is where it's like... I feel like um, in this episode, it's like she imprinted on Janeway, mm. and Janeway <gasps> is her person, and so she is like she's focused all of her, I guess, emotional and mental like focus on Janeway uh, because this is what Janeway wants, and so beyond everything else, her purpose is Janeway's orders, which I think is interesting, an interesting way to go about it. I think you could read it as she's somebody who would need a lot of structure in her life. One, from like the the standpoint of she's someone who's got trauma mm-hmm. and then the other standpoint of she came from the Borg, which is yeah. all structure and everyone knows their place. And so I think if there's anything she probably does appreciate about Voyager, it's the chain of command, the hierarchy mm-hmm. and so it's like the I will do what the captain wants because the captain is the leader. Yeah, yeah. It, whereas it's a it's a much more, um, like human thing to have to have to go decide who do I want to be loyal to, whose um whose interests do I also align with, mm-hmm. you know? And then you go like, oh, I'm more of a Chakotay person, or um, I'm gonna really uh, hang out with like the doctor or something. Yeah. But she's like, no, we're all here. On the captain's orders and, and so, at her behest, yeah. So she told me to decode these letters as mm-hmm. much as I can, and that's what I'm going to do, even though it's, like, taking, like, a ridiculous amount of time just to, like, decode, like, one sentence. Uh, it's so sad. Plus, it's, like, I think they get into this a little bit later, too, but it's a very, it's, like, an emotion-based thing that she's ultimately doing. She, she's picking up pieces of letters and putting it all together so that the crew can get that emotional connection to their loved ones. She doesn't have loved ones. She doesn't have... She'll never get a letter, most likely, you know? Right, yeah. Um, and so it's like normally it'd be something that she wouldn't care about. But I think you're right. Like, she's... They're showing that focus on her loyalty and her duty to Janeway specifically. So yeah. Janeway wants me to do this thing that I don't really see the value in, then I'll do it. And I'll do it, and I'll do it at the expense of, like, my my health. Yeah. You know, it's very strange. Yeah. Um, I, I do like it. Um, the doctor then goes on to go, like, how much of a hero he'll be once Voyager returns. And then she was like, mm, you're, like, a computer, so they'll probably just erase you and be replaced with the newest EMH upgrade. <laughs> Which was, like, wah, wah. It was really funny. I like, <laughs> um... I'm going to try really hard not to turn this into, like, another anti-Strange New Worlds thing, because uh, I think we did that a lot last week. But we but I will just say that, week, like, <laughs> there's a lot... It's not just that show. It's just, like, mod, the way that modern. that modern dialogue is written. Like, she's, she's, like, insulting. You know, we talked a little bit about it, too, like, like how she comes across because she spent so much time as a Borg. And so yeah. she is, you know, aloof. And she's insulting like that, and she'll take jabs at you. But it even still, like, it's never snarky no. or smarmy, and it doesn't make you dislike her as a character. No. You know, you understand where it's coming from, why she's like that. Whereas, like, it's all I'll say, and then I'll drop it. You talk about it as much as you want to, but, like, 
everyone on all shows, honestly, that I watch now that, you know, it's not just Star Trek shows, like all shows that I watch now. Just everyone is so, everyone is, oh, like Marvel does it a lot. The MCU. Yeah. Like everyone is such a smart ass all the time. Everyone is the exact the same amount of a smart ass. Yeah. All the time to everybody. Everyone's got a quip. And everyone's got to be cutting everyone else down all the time. Yeah. And and it's just really like, A, it's like bad writing. It's annoying that everyone has the same character, essentially. You know, the same lines can be coming out of anyone's mouth at any time, it feels like. Um, and B, it's just like, aren't I supposed to like these characters? Yeah. Everyone can't be the smartest person in the room with the quickest wit in the most sarcastic tone like everyone can't be like that right but that's how people are written now so good on voyager for for making seven somebody who can get away with saying that to the doctor and i actually think it's funny and well she also mean. doesn't realize that she's yeah being mean that she's too. being and that's the thing is like, why you want to make characters who do know that they're being mean yeah and i'm supposed true. to root for those people <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So no, that was a genuinely funny scene there. He was like, "Hmm, I wonder, I wonder how I'll be remembered over there." So you won't. You'll just be erased. <laughs> yeah. Replaced with something. Erased, replaced with the newest version. Yeah. On um, Voyager's bridge, that disturbance uh, that started over there in the astrometrics lab turns out that it emanated from that relay station, even though they're not even there yet. It's so far away that it must have, like, a really powerful energy source. And then Tuvok detects a ship with one dead humanoid. And Janeway, uh, they, they get to that ship, and Janeway has the body beamed to... The sick bay. And when we get there, it's like a, like a, like a Halloween mask. It is. <laughs> it's a Halloween mask <laughs> of, like, Jason. Not Jason. <laughs> who was... I don't know. He looks like... A, Somebody or Freddy Krueger yeah, or somebody. It it's looks like flesh, like, like Caucasian flesh color. But it's like that weird pink mm. that uh, Halloween masks are. Yeah. yeah, and you can tell it's just like latex. And yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe they did. I mean, uh, somebody because it, it's supposed to be like traumatic. Like the, this person, every part of his essence has been sucked out, and yeah. all that's left is like this skin, essentially. Yeah. Um, and you're supposed to be horrified. He doesn't even have eyes. It just has like, but it just looks like a Halloween mask to me. It's so funny. To to be like Monday morning quarterback, I would say that it, what they could have done is either like it's like. It's still intact. It's like such an. In- I guess that's why it almost feels cartoonish because it's, it's straight up intact. Like if you took a person and just sucked everything but their skin out, and it just looks like a person that got like folded up, kind of right. Yeah. Like a or like a blanket that you like threw on the couch. Right. Um, with eye holes though. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's like, well, maybe they maybe there's like some gashes on it or something, so it's not like pristine yeah like they did it what do you call that dressing the animal or whatever they did like a fantastic job of getting getting the guts and bones out of this creature yeah or don't even show it and just immediately open on the scene where the doctor looks horrified as he tells janeway like it's just it all there was was flesh Mm -hmm. you know and like i don't understand how they did it like they someone just took all their innards out and all they left was flesh, and then just showed let let Kate Mulgrew get her Emmy by going oh yeah you know, like show show us her reaction to it yeah but instead they they went with yeah Halloween mask 
on the sick bed like, oh, and the bio horrifying. bed. <laughs> yeah. I've been uh, complaining a lot about like I guess CGI, like everything's like overly CGI. And I'm like, just bring back practical effects, just bring back practical effects. And I'm like, well, hmm, let me rethink that. No, I'm just kidding. Here's a here's an unused alien um, mold that we made for an extra. <laughs> Just throw it on the bio bed, and that's the that's the husk. Yeah, yeah. Um. So seven oh nine has seen this before as the Borg, uh, but uh, the Borgs never try to figure out who who is responsible. They're like, mm, it wasn't pertinent to us, so we didn't care. Yeah, be <laughs> like, mm. be wary of people who are not intellectually curious. <laughs> the Borg were not intellectually curious; they yeah. just went out finding things that were useful to them. You know, mm-hmm. like again, that's why the Borg are a great antithesis character for the yeah. uh, Starfleet. Yeah. Back on the bridge, Voyager arrives at the relay station finally, and they they think it might be like a hundred thousand years old, and uh-huh. it's like empty now and and essentially dormant. It's powered by a tiny black hole, which, which is, is very cool. cool. Yeah, cool idea. like really tiny, isn't it? Like just basically like a molecule or something of a black hole. Yeah, but it's it's giving off tons of energy. Tinier than Harry Kim's wormhole. Remember his little tiny wormhole? <laughs> yes. Why you gotta bring a very curious <laughs> tiny wormhole? <laughs> um, I think Libby was okay with the size of his wormhole. Oh no, gross him! <laughs> it was not sexual. I had to go there. I had to do it. The disturbance uh, that they were feeling it occurs again, and Voyager is not able to get any closer to the relay station because that's, of it. Yeah, that's as far as they can go. So we go back to the Astrometrics Lab, and Jane Ways with Seven of Nine trying to download the first message. And then as uh, 709's reading what she's been able to... Um, kind of like decode. Decode. It's a, it's a, I, I don't quite understand the process, but basically they're getting information out of the relay station, right? Yeah. Into Voyager's computers, but it's, it's all like a mess, mess basically, yeah. and probably strange symbols and things. And so she has to do, like, I don't know, defrag it or something. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um and so uh, Janeway is like listening to what she's already been able to uh, decode. And she's like, this seems awfully personal. And then all of a sudden she realizes these are letters from home. Yeah, they thought and they were like, going to oh. get some kind of orders or directions from Starfleet. But instead they're sending them the oh, yeah, yeah the letters after people. And then under the letters is like information that will be pertinent to Voyager to help them get back to But it's the, the last output. thing that they get, sadly. And then 709 can't get the content, so Janeway wonders if it's a plan to get them home. And then Janeway reminds Seven that she might have family on Earth, so it would be sort of a homecoming for her, too. And um, the actress who plays 709 does a really good job because, like, she's she plays it very Borg, where she's like, I don't have family. I don't care about going home. Like, it, it, it doesn't matter. Like, home is a Borg ship to me. Yeah. But then when Janeway brings up the fact that she could have family there, then all of a sudden, like, uncertainty and kind of interest, was like, she's peaked. Her her interest is peaked. She's a little confused. Like, she plays her very, very well. She does. She's a good actress. So, like, you know, she hadn't thought about that, and now it's, like, a new thought that she has to 
process and figure out what she how she feels. Like it's really cool. She has to do a lot of her acting because she, because the character wouldn't verbalize these feelings, so she yeah. has to do a lot of like face acting. Just and she like, does a really good job. Was it last week when Tuvok mentioned something about, or it was the one about the afterlife? Yeah, yeah. And again, she had to like on her face had to show like these new thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's oh interesting because Borgarn obviously known for. They're like not even just deep thoughts, but just thoughts in general. Yeah, and so her coming into contact with new information is a very human information. It's just, I really, really like it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's too early to ask, but is is it so far? Are you if we had to lose Kess to get seven? So far, are you okay with that trade off? I really am. I guess um, I really liked Kess. I would say. Uh-oh. I already know what you're going to say. Sorry, Harry Kim. If we could have got rid of Harry Kim, I think the best situation would have been Kess and 709. Mm. I think because Kess was a really cool, interesting character as well. Um, it was kind of like she was kind of like a science experiment and like a little bit sci fi tropish. Not tropish, but like she couldn't have been like a real being or it didn't feel like it. Like, so much of it just seemed, like, crazy. It was, like, magic, almost. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, I think, like, they... Uh, but they also knew what they were doing with Kess the first season. Yeah. Um, and, like, I, they really... It's, like, out the gate. They know what they're doing with Seven of Nine. But I like Seven of Nine's personality more. And I, she interests me more than Kess does. Yeah. And, like, yeah. So I would rather watch Seven of Nine and see her like learn to be human or figure out the human Borg situation. Um, that's infinitely more fascinating to me than anything Kess was bringing to the table. Yeah. I think they, they definitely like hit fast forward on Kess's development, basically all within one episode. And then they like saw her on her way. But I think that we could tell Unless there was going to be some crazy twist, we could tell that it was basically going to go in that direction anyway. As she was developing these powers, mm-hmm. and every few episodes, it seemed like the power would increase. Yeah. And, yeah, it almost felt like she was going to be, like, an ultimate Jedi or, you know, yeah, some kind of a mutant or something that had these, like, or, like, the Traveler or something, you know, that had these, like, fantastic powers. Yeah, she was and, a little bit like Superman in that, like, she was too, uh, occasionally, like, even in the, like, even with the last, like, nightmare creature, um, she was able to defeat him. Like, oh, right, even yeah. in, like, was it the first, that was the first season? I think so, yeah. Um, and so, like, they, they gave her, her powers were always so wonky and scattered, but even then, she was way too overpowered, and so they had to not utilize that power. They were convenient, too. Yeah. And it was like, she was the one saving the day, and it, it kind of gave off Wesley, Wesley Crusher, Crusher vibes. vibes. Yeah. And then they just abandoned her because they didn't really, they didn't want to do that. And again, like, if you keep building this character up, she becomes too much like Superman. Yeah. And, like, you can't, like, and I think that's one of the problems with Superman, personally, is, or, you know, you know, he's too powerful. What threat can you throw at him? Yeah. That isn't just something that has kryptonite. Yeah. Or a a ridiculously overpowered character from another dimension or something. Right. Yeah. And so I feel like she was a little bit like that. Yeah. Her, yeah. So, anyways. I think I'm with you. Like, 
I, I would have still liked... I, I, we knew where Kiss's story was going. I still would have liked to have seen... Like, it would have been fine to watch it play out, even though that's... We basically probably knew what was going to happen by the end of the series. Yeah. And, um... But we saw it go down the way it did, and now we get Seven of Nine. But, yeah, you did have the ultimate right answer, which is that Harry Kim should have had to go. And we get Seven and Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Sorry, Eric Cam. Um, let's see. Oh, in that scene too, is that the one where Neelix got a handful of letters? Oh yeah. And so when then, they're giving them the letters, yeah. of course, it's like '90s Star Trek, so everyone gets their own little pad. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah, one already like they, about they it. predicted the iPad essentially, but they didn't predict that everyone <laughs> would have their own and. It's almost like they didn't predict the internet. Mail. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah Wi-Fi or something. So everyone yeah. gets their own little pad. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, and it's Neelix's job to, pa- to deliver to the crew. And he's like, yes, I, I love this job for mm-hmm. me. <laughs> yeah, it is a perfect job for him, too. And it's so neat of him, too, because he's not getting anything. And he just gets to go and make other people happy. And it rings true for him. Yeah. That he would be all about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he goes to the bridge and he delivers a letter to Chakotay and everyone's of course looking into Chakotay like oh wow Ooh, a letter from letter, home yeah. and Chakotay starts to read it and he quickly realizes he's not going to be able to read this aloud on the bridge he's like um I'll be back later <laughs> and then Harry Kim's sitting there and then he, he gets the big sad face when he sees that Neelix doesn't have a letter for him and you're like you're in a ship of like Hundreds of people, yeah, or over like around 150. Yeah, around 150 people. They all want letters from their home. Like you are not special. Like it's just so maddening. But it's like we follow Harry Kim as that character. Well, nobody else on that, no one else on that bridge is acting like that either. No, to be fair, like but he is like the young, fresh-faced little golden boy guy, you know. And Yeah. yeah, that's. He, he's a very basic character. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, oh, he's like, mm, he gets a little case of the sad. Yeah, he's a little sad face. He's like, mm. and I'm like, what? No one else. Only Chakotay got one, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, no one else on that bridge got one. Chakotay got one. Come on. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Anyways, so we headed to Tuvok's office, and oh my gosh, I felt so bad for Tuvok. I felt so bad because so Neelik has a letter for Tuvok. Um, and then, like, first of all, like, why would on earth, like, I will say this as a private person, if I received a letter from home, I would definitely not read it in front of anybody yeah. else. Like, ain't gonna happen. You don't like, know what it's gonna say. I don't know what it's gonna say. Yeah. I don't know the emotions that are gonna come out of it. I don't know anything. Like, I am not touching that letter. And then I'm also not touching that letter until I'm emotionally prepared for mm. it um yeah the like there's always emotionally prepared <laughs> yeah but you know can't have an emotional outburst if you suppress all your emotions well that's true too um tuvok um but and also but but you have to like it's like personalities and like what we do around like our personalities what that's for best for us but anyways Neelix comes in with a letter for tuvok and tuvok's like i'm in the middle of work once i'm done with work I will look at my letter. And Neelix cannot believe that he's doing this. And then Tuvok's like, well, the contents are not of the message are not going to change. It doesn't matter when I read it. 
And uh, then Neelix lets it slip that he read the letter. And I would be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, no, you cannot read my letter. Like, what? And before me? You're reading my letter before me? I don't even, like, when we used to have newspapers, I didn't even like people to, like, read certain parts of the newspaper without me. I need to be first. I need to be first. That's my newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, it, but Tuvok is... Not obviously, he's not gonna get out of been out of shape over it because he's a Vulcan. But you can almost read it on his face that he kind of like knew this was gonna happen, or it's like <laughs> he's not surprised. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't know it was gonna happen, but he's not surprised at all. Yeah, that he that Neelix read it. So he's just he's annoyed, you know. Yeah, that's what Tuvok gets to be like. He he does show emotion, and it's always annoyance. <laughs> usually at Neelix. Yeah, yeah at Neelix usually. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, so then, like, uh, Neelix is like, can I read you the letter? And Tuvok's like, fine, read me the letter. And I would be like, no, get out of here. <laughs> but the answer, I almost, I almost feel like that's Tuvok's growth. Yeah, that's Because they've had, this is like textbook Neelix, Mr. Vulcan interaction. Yeah. But Tuvok is, is learning to tolerate Neelix, I think, over, over the course of these seasons. Yeah, that's true. Um, and Tuvok is a granddad. His son went through the pond fire and it was successful. And like, um, oh, uh, the Vulcan engineer guy. Yeah. What is that guy's name? Creep. Yeah. Creepo. (laughs) So I'm glad that Tuvok's son was successfully, um, Went through the pond fire. <laughs> um, so Tuvok's a granddad now. And then uh, Tuvok's like, maybe I should read this by myself. And then Tuvok's is like, like, he's like, I need to read the rest of it by myself. And then Neelix, um, he's like, but you better do it before anything else. The minute I leave, you need to read the letter. Yeah. And Tuvok's like, eh, whatever. And then Neelix leaves. But then like Tuvok's like, mm, okay, I'll finish reading the letter. Yeah. And it was really cool. And I will say this. Okay, I won't say a lot of Strange New Worlds. But I am so angry at, like, how they are writing Spock and how they write all Vulcans. Like, I don't know. I don't know why they got it so bad. Because Tuvok is written so perfectly. And he's, like, exemplifies what a Vulcan is. And it's, like, it wasn't. Well, maybe it was a hard. You, you, maybe it was hard, but it does. It comes off so effortlessly. No, yeah. Only, only rarely would anyone, I think, accuse Tuvok of coming across as unpleasant. Yeah. Um, you might not want to hang out with him, but whatever, he's not yeah. a jerk. No. You know, and yeah. and the way that they write the Vulcans is that they're straight up jerks yeah yeah like pompous and mm-hmm. arrogant and they all have emotions and it's all terrible <laughs> yeah it's all so terrible and yeah. like arrogance is say, an emotion too yeah, yeah basically you know and like yeah sometimes like tuvok can be like there are those strains of it but i don't know they just knew how to write vulcans way better and the the group who's trying to write Vulcans now just like in Strange New Worlds is just horrendous. I don't know where... Like they, a character assassinated Spock on every level, yeah. which really irritates me. But then they don't know how to write, but they don't know how to write any of the Vulcans. It's like really bad. Yeah. And then you, then you see Tuvok and you're like a breath of fresh air. Somebody who understood 
how to write a Vulcan. What is expected of a Vulcan? I don't know if they have, like, what they have, you know, with Star Trek writers or whatever. But the book that they used to use to write Star Trek with is, like, out the window. It's gone. Oh, yeah. Those, like, the Roddenberry rules. And, yeah. 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 And that's a big problem with... I mean, we're still watching The Strange New Worlds, but I am honestly... And it's like mostly uh, just I'm, hate-watching it. Yeah, and I'm not, I don't <laughs> really... I'm not big on hate-watching stuff. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen... An, I feel like the first season was, was good, good enough, enough it or was fun enough. enough. Yeah. yeah. But this this season, the second season, and we're, what, the four, four or five episodes in? Yeah, it's just I think we just awful. watched the fifth episode. Yeah, and it's just really not good. And I'm not good. You can keep watching it. I won't watch something that's bad. <laughs> it, it can just go be bad, and people who like it can enjoy it, but I'm not going to. It's just because it says Star Trek yeah. doesn't mean I'm going to watch it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, Anyways, but Tuvok... A plus. <laughs> yeah, and it and it shows too. A plus with like, interaction. When it's like going talking about good writing again, it's what he does instead of what anything that he says. It's yeah. like he 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 does. He as soon as Neelix leaves, he stops what he's doing. He he works for just a second, but then he stops what he's doing, which means that there was excitement bubbling up inside of him. Yeah, he's just not going to show it, you know. But he is showing it in his way by sitting down and stopping his work. We know as the audience that he values his work. He values, you know, again, that structure, you know, and and he stopped because yeah. this is more important now, you know, which is an emotional response. It's just not the way we think of it. And I just don't think that that would ever sub <laughs> again. Like, it's, it, this is not a stranger world problem. This is like. A problem with a lot of writing is like subtlety is not out the it's, yeah it's just out the window like you so, subtlety we can't have things be subtle people probably aren't even watching the thing that they're watching they're mm-hmm. probably on in the background while they're doing eight uh, uh, while they're on their phone and their doing laptop yeah laptop um, working on their laptop playing on their phone I'm increasingly turning into an old man so I'll stop. <laughs> But, <laughs> yeah, they, I do, I mean, I've always appreciated subtlety and, and nuance in in writing and in acting and stuff. And that's a, a perfect example of it. Yeah. On the bridge, Janeway got a letter, and so she takes it to her ready room. And it's from Mark. And we learn that his last name is Johnson. So if, if, if Captain Janeway had married him, she would be... Just Captain Johnson. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like Star Trek has always done a really good job with the captain's name. Yeah, the names just, are fantastic. Yeah, they yeah. they Cisco, Picard, mm-hmm. and they almost anyway. match the character. Yeah, yeah. So Captain Johnson. I don't know what a Captain Johnson would be. <laughs> um, and then so as she's reading the letter again, subtlety. Uh, we see her her expression just sort of melt to. Sadness. And at first she's like super happy and mm-hmm. she's like real sad. And then I was like, ah, it's a Dear John letter. And uh, you nailed it. I nailed it, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I really like how, you know, like Chakotay needed to go away when he got the letter. At first he was fine and then he's like, no, I need to go away. And then Janeway gets her letter and she's like, I gotta go. And so she goes and hides. They have to go hide yeah. to do this. It's, it's so it's so crazy because I do not know what it would be like to be so secluded and isolated from everyone that you've ever known. And up until that point, everyone thought you were dead. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Or can you imagine 
and thinking then you that finally, someone was dead for like four years. And then you finally get like a little piece of them. Like it's, it's, mm-hmm. they played it really well, I thought. So here's maybe I should wait, but I won't. Um, <laughs> so what are the here's what here's my thing with the Carrie Kim stuff is like what are the stakes of him not receiving a letter other than obvious like sadness that he didn't get a letter but he so he is it that he doesn't know if his family is still alive no he must know that his parents love him he does know that his parents love him but here's what i think i think that the character harry kim is floundering he doesn't he's not in love with libby and that ended emotionally for him when he ran away from her in san francisco (laughs) Like, yeah, and then they kind of killed it, and then like, yeah, he's had like some affairs here and there. <laughs> affairs, or, not affairs, yeah. but like D- dalliances. Dalliances. <laughs> um, with, but he never found anyone on the ship. His closest person to him is Per Tom Paris, but guess what? Tom Paris is in a relationship with Lana Torres, and so they're like weird. Like, um, they're still like friends. But I will say this: once you get into a relationship, your codependent, your codependency on your oh, best yeah. friends goes is like your friendship just changes and, and shifts, um, or at least minded. I don't know mm-hmm. other people, but for the most part, because Pretty much has to, yeah. If you're gonna honor your romantic relationship, y'all can write in if you want to displace the space podcast at gmail.com. Don't me, yeah, I mean, it or could be different for everybody. Uh, yeah, yeah but I feel like it's just like. You, we all only have so much time in the day, mm-hmm. and if you and used so to spend, energy, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like love is infinite, but time and resources and um, energy is finite. <laughs> yeah, and even just when you when you have a good close friend, that's mm-hmm. maybe the person that you tell everything to. But now you have this romantic relationship, and so now that's probably the person you're going to tell almost everything to. And you don't mean to. It just kind of happens. And so then, like, yeah, and then it's like, okay, well, you know, I used to have a bunch of sleepovers with my friends, even, like, as an adult. Like, we would have that, like, girl night, and we, like, spend the whole night together and all that stuff. Um, And, like, I did have, like, a couple of times going into, like, you know, even, like, four years ago. But as they found other people, too, like, and then people started having kids and, and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, like, you're friends and you see them, you know, you make, uh, like, you know, little dates or, like, whatever. But, like, that constant, like, weekend hangout, you know, morning hangouts, like, all the hangouts, all the time that you did spend with them, you don't have time anymore. Yeah. Your relationship changes. And I feel like um, one of the running strains of the Tom Bolana storyline is they they're trying oh, yeah. desperately to they don't get have enough time, time for, for each other. other. Yeah. Um, let alone enough time for Harry Kim. The little Harry Kim, the little third wheel. So yeah, the third wheeler. And so you know, again, like as like late as or as early as um the Chuvak one where him and Harry Kim are um oh. Alter ego, alter ego. Um, he, Tom was over there bossing him around. He left. He left Blanche Torres to go be with um, what we called Vulcan Hogan, but he actually wasn't Vulcan Hogan. Oh, yeah. To go boss Carrie Kim Forget around. All of that guy's names. Um, he, uh, you know, he left. He left Blanche Torres to go do that. You know, yeah. so he could go boss Harry Kim around because the only thing more important than flirting with Blanche Torres 
was uh, bossing Harry Kim around, but I think that, but then you haven't seen that since. Right, he's all, he's almost all in with Torres now. And he is one of those people, like, I mean, like, I don't, again, I don't believe, and I don't think people should, and I didn't, like, abandon your friends the minute you have someone, like, you know, special, but, like, over time, things just change, Mm -hmm. you know, and priorities change and shift, and as, you know, it just is what it is. Love is poison to a friendship. <laughs> it is not. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> Anyways, but like Tom Perry seems like the type that would abandon his friends for his like love interest. Like he would abandon his friends for a holograph, uh, a hologram <laughs> of Ricky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I think like Harry Kim doesn't. So he's lost his best friend to Blanche Torres. He doesn't other like and yeah, Belan Torres is also his friend, but other than Harry Kent or Tom Paris and Belan Torres, he doesn't really have anyone. Janeway doesn't seem to like him that much. Yeah. And he does he doesn't have a relationship with Chicote or Tuvok. No. And or Neelix or anyone. So it's like who does he hang out with? The last person that he fell like in love with was like a holog well a, a, a person pretending to be a hologram. Like Yeah. That's true. Or even, and so, yeah, like, to even see him have friends and stuff, yeah. So he feels like, it feels like he's real lonely. And so it's like he's in that weird spot where his best friend is kind of, his emotional connection, the person that kind of stabilized him, is now in a different relationship with somebody else. And the relationship is just very different now. And he, but he, but nothing's different for him specifically. Yeah. And so, like, just getting, like, confirmation that you're still loved and you're still valued and, like, you know. Yeah. And he he did seem like he would grow close to his family. Anyways. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, but I think he just needs it more. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I, I could see that. Like, of all the characters on the show, like, that we know, like, the star characters, yeah, he's the one who, you're right, doesn't, yeah, his, his support system is, like, fading away kind of or his his social connections yeah. yeah all right i could see that i could see that so i think that's what's mostly going on with him you know oh and then like yeah he has a crush on 709 but that's not going anywhere you know yeah that's true it's it i doubt if it ever will no I don't yeah think so. they can't <laughs> they can't because he had a dream where she told him resistance was futile and one day he would have to tell her that and then she would be so turned off <laughs> yeah you like my my partner used my former affiliation with an insane cult as a <laughs> sex <laughs> fantasy <laughs> like you can see that in real life you know yeah. like how would you feel like if like oh i used to have this terrible thing in my past but I got over it, and then I met this really great guy. But it turns out that he just likes me because of the terrible thing in my past. <laughs> terrible. So Torres is in engineering working, and Chakotay comes up to her, and they have a conversation. And, of course, Torres uh, doesn't expect to get a letter at all from anybody because she has no friends, and or the only friends that she did have were on the Maquis ship with her. The Starfleet's probably not like, send in your Maquis letters with a return address so we can find you. And then uh, she has no family. I Like her family, she's like... Uh, estranged. Estranged. Yeah. Family, so she's not expecting anything. Um, and then Chakotay said he has some news and they came from a fellow Maquis member. 
And Chakotay has to let her know the bad news that the Baki are all dead or in jail. The fight is over. So this is happening after DS9, Blaze of Glory, which was one of my favorite episodes of DS9. It was a solid episode. That was a cool And one. it was a good way to, like, say goodbye to the Maki. Like, it was very... But I didn't even see it coming. I guess I mm-hmm. thought... Because I watched Deep Space Nine. Only, I only finished it recently. So I wasn't watching it in real time in the 90s. So I guess I always assumed that the Maki went on... Probably in, at least until that show went off, and maybe even past that. Mm-hmm, but and then no, it's all of a sudden that was it. They were gone, and what was it the fifth season or the sixth season or something? I think it was the end of the fifth season. Yeah, so that was very surprising. Yeah. And then I didn't even think about how that would affect Voyager. And I really like that they kind of they they did that like continuity from show to show, mm-hmm. um, which I really I really did appreciate. I oh. thought that was I thought that was really cool, and that that he sent the letter, and apparently. Um, most of the Maquis are dead, but whoever's left is in jail. In fact, the letter came from somebody who was in a, a jail. And um, apparently, like, they, they didn't give a lot of information, but, you know, it, it's when um, the Cardassians got in bed with the Dominion, you know. Oh, right. Yeah. So it would have been right around that time. Uh-huh. So they are slowly kind of getting hints about... Um, yeah, what's going on over in the mm-hmm. Alpha Quadrant? Okay, us. real quick. Um, so it looks like Blaze of Glory first aired May of '97, and then this episode aired February of '98. So there was like almost a year in real wow. time went by. Yeah. Um, huh, that's crazy. Yeah. So it's like so the audience would have known. That the Maquis were gone way before Voyager Which finally found out. Yeah. Ah. So it was like a shoe that everyone was probably waiting to, to drop. drop. Yeah. Ah, that's really that neat. That is cool. Um, and uh, Taurus can't believe that this happened. They were, you know, too powerful or, you know, she can't. And like, Cody's like, well, we knew this could happen. We knew this could happen joining. We all knew this could happen. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and then Taurus, of course, flies into like a murderous rage. And she's just so angry. And Because of all the people. They, I mean, it's they interesting. Lost. They lost so many people. Yeah. And she kind of comes down from it. But that would almost be a, an interesting episode um, on its own. Mm-hmm. The Maquis members of the crew. And maybe they still will do it. I don't know. But the Maquis members of the crew dealing with the fact that, yeah. yeah. That they're alive because they got put in that wormhole. Yeah. Or they would be dead or in some kind of Cardassian like survivor's prison. guilt would kick in. Mm. But I kind of hope that they do something like that now. Because Tora is basically, um, like, she's she's not over it by any means in this episode. And you can always mm. tell there's something bugging her. Yeah. And they even, like, deal with it directly in, uh, in a later scene. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that would be... It's like, I'm over here living this life. I think I've got it bad, stuck out here, but they all got killed. Yeah, but it just really like saved Wiped me. out like nothing, yeah. too, which was what surprised me watching Deep Space Nine, was yeah. that, like, they, they, like, they're done. There's no, there's well, no they, Maquis yeah. faction. There's no Maquis that, like, gets to have their own little part of space Well, or and they also, like they went out in a blaze of glory. Like, it reminded me... <laughs> sounds so sad but it when i saw the blaze of glory it reminded me of um the outsiders when um 
what's his name uh, runs back into the uh, into the uh, the burning church. Yes, and Johnny. Saves, yeah, Johnny. Oh, and yeah. Saves the people. John, Johnny Cade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the the, the Maquis, because the Maquis went out honorable. They went out on the right side. They 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 went. They banded together. Um, yeah, that's and true. To, to save like uh, Deep Space Nine. That's true. And Johnny Francisco. went out in a blaze of glory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I was like, it's, it was so weird, like because I, I remember that. I was like, this is just like the outside. <laughs> Stay gold, but, Maquis. Stay gold. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but it's like it was really it was a it was a cool way for them to wrap up the Maquis. Yeah, but yeah, and then they then they continued it a year later by letting you know the last of the Maquis mm-hmm. know about it. Yeah. In the mess hall, Harry Kim's there. He meets Tom for some lunch and some gossip. I chismoso. That's what he is. <laughs> he really is. He's I mean, it's a consistent character trait. But not like that, but he's got, like, the wrong gossip, too. Yeah, he, he immediately comes in talking about rumors, and then at the end of the scene, Neelix has to admonish him for listening to rumors. <laughs> and it's like, you're talking to Harry Kim. He's the biggest He only chism. speaks rumor. <laughs> um... This was some good writing and acting in this scene, too. Yeah. So Paris is, like, uh, it's pretending almost like he's trying happening. to change the subject of from the letters. Yeah, he's pretending it's not happening. Yeah. Um, and then, so he's, every time Kim mentions the letters, Harry, or Tom Paris brings up the soup yeah. that he's eating. And it's like, does he like it? Does he not like it? It's the strangest texture, you know? And, like, again, just, like, deflecting, deflecting, deflecting. And then... Uh, Harry Kim says something about, like, um, wasn't he basically alluding to, like, we don't know if Paris is going to get a letter or something. And uh, Paris is still looking at the soup and he says, you know, it's really not that bad. And on the surface, he's, yeah, he's probably talking about soup. soup, But really, it's like in his mind, he's, like, trying to make himself feel better about the fact that his, probably just his dad, is not going to care enough to send him a letter. And even who does send him a letter, it, who, who knows if it's going to be like a browbeating a, Yeah, backhanded yeah. Uh, comments and stuff. Yeah. yeah, so really good writing. Just like really, you almost feel like whoever wrote was Jerry Taylor uh, was like waiting to do this episode. And yeah. so accumulating these cool All little these bits. Because yeah. it's just a bunch of like vignettes almost. Yeah. Um, having to do with the letters. And it tells us so much about the characters and gives the actors a good chance to shine. So that one I thought was really good. And then Neelix comes in. He's got some letters, but Kim doesn't get one. Um, and then, yeah, that's where Neelix has to tell him to listen to rumors. Because Kim was like, oh, I thought there was more letters or something. He's like, who told you that? Yeah. And he was like, mm. He's like, don't listen to rumors. Don't listen to rumors, Mr. Kim. And then Paris tells him, well, don't get your hopes up. Because uh, no hopes and no disappointments. And then Kim is like, he's kind of fuming or, or getting really concerned. And he says, well, I'm not you. And then he just walks off. Yeah, you can read it a couple of ways. Like, in some ways, like, I have a good relationship with my parents. Mm-hmm. I have a good relationship with the Alpha Quadrant. In some ways, my life would probably be better if I was in the Alpha Quadrant than where it's at right now. And on the other hand, it's like, I'm not you. I don't have what you have on this ship. Ah, oh, I didn't think about that. Ooh, that makes me like it more even. Nice job. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. That is I just immediately read it as like, yeah, like you're you're the um sad sack and I'm like the optimist. 
But yeah, yeah you're right. Like, I got nothing on. Ooh, good job. You yeah. should write for. You should write for Strange New Worlds. Uh, anyone can write for Strange New Worlds. I bet you Chat GPT could write better. Um, scripts are the same. They probably is written by Chat GPT. <laughs> okay, well, we we'll did, stop. We'll we, stop. No, so I did talk about that the other night, though. I was, I was so fed up with that episode that we were watching that I said, like, this is the type of show, or I feel like Star Trek now would brag about an episode written by Chat GPT, you know? <laughs> Like, it'd be, like, a, a gimmick episode. Yeah. And it's, like, I still see, I stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to the ready room, and Janeway is all sad in her ready room because, you know, those letters are um, a double-edged sword for a lot of people on the ship, mm-hmm. you know? And 709 walks in, and 709 saying, you know, I'm finding it so difficult to decode the messages. The longer the transmissions are stuck in the relay station, the more they degrade, which is, I think, a cool, like, a ticking time clock. Yeah, yeah. We've got a ticking time clock. Um, and so she has an idea that she's going to take the shuttle to the station to fix the problem. And uh, she's used to, I'm sure she's used to having a little bit more autonomy through the Borg ship because they are all connected, so it doesn't matter if you're if you're the only one going somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but Janeway says, I don't want you to go alone. Um, because Janeway uh, sends uh, doesn't send one person away teams. She sends more than one person. So, in the Astrometrics lab, uh, Torres has taken over decoding the messages for Seven. Well, I guess Seven's getting ready to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And Kim comes in, and Torres gives him a hard time about liking Seven. <laughs> And um, and he's like, I'm not. It's not even about that. I'm not into her anymore. And you kind of feel like he probably is getting over his crush. I think after the, um, the resistance is futile. No, I think that well, the, at the tail end of that dream sequence where she like attacks him, Beat the crap out of him. Yeah, <laughs> he's, like, mm. he's like, I don't need none of that. Uh, I'm not ready for her. Um, and he still hasn't gotten a letter, and he's getting worried that he's just not going to get one. And Torres tries to. Cheer him up. She's always got that big sister vibe with him. She does. What I really like is that you could see it again. It goes back to like very subtle, well acting from the actress because actress, yeah. because she's still angry about the Maquis and she wants to say something horrible to Harry Kim and you can see it, but she holds herself back because Harry Kim is so emotions on his sleeve and so sad and you can see so desperate to get a letter just from his parents. He just wants acknowledgement mm-hmm. and she sucks it in what she wants to say and she comforts Harry Kim and she always does that and like it was beautifully done and it, it really you think about the acting skill um, take into consideration that this we don't know when this scene was filmed in relation to the other scenes where she's dealing with the Maquis thing yeah so like she knows there's like a range where the character is supposed to be at now where she's not over it, but she's not, she didn't just hear about it either. Yeah. And she has to find what that would look like to be like, am I perturbed? No, I'm more than perturbed, but I'm less than murderous rage, <laughs> you know? And Because it, it may not have been the same day. It may not even, it may, it probably wasn't in the sequential order you know and she's angry enough that you can tell she wants to be mean to yeah him, but she but then she doesn't yeah so good acting that's probably good like mm-hmm. directing too yeah in the shuttlecraft where two blocks and seven are they're having to contend with the turbulence as they approach the relay station 
And then Seven starts asking Tuvok about lying, and it seems like it's from out of nowhere. Um, he says he's only ever lied under orders. So I think I I tried to nitpick a couple weeks ago and be like, Tuvok lied about being from Scandinavia. <laughs> but he only does it if it's like his job order. to lie. Yeah. Um, so once Seven's established that Tuvok can be trusted, she asks him basically about if Janeway trusts her. Yeah, and it goes back to like, again, like it's like she imprinted on Janeway. She cares about what Janeway thinks mm-hmm. about her. And, um, you know, she wants Janeway to trust her. And yeah. she wants to do these things that Janeway asks of her for Janeway. And yeah. I think it's a very cool character development. But I also like that they paired her and Tuvok up again. Oh, I love, I love I think, their relationship. Yeah. yeah. And she's, and by asking that question, gaining, she's like getting real. his, or making sure that he can be trusted, mm-hmm. it's like... They're building him. that relationship too. Yeah, and in so in in a way, she like just like Carrie Kim was um, vulnerable with 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 Torres. She's in, in her own way being vulnerable with Tuvok, with Tuvok, and she feels comfortable because Tuvok is emotionless, mm-hmm. so she can put down her yeah her defenses. Yeah, they found a really good pairing with these two. Yeah. So she, of course, thinks that Janeway sent Tuvok with her on this mission because she doesn't trust her. And Tuvok says that you shouldn't read anything to, into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, they hint that Seven cares what Janeway thinks of her, mm-hmm. even though she acts like it's not important, of course. And then all of a sudden they're scanned and they lose a bunch of the, the shuttle's functions. And there's the ship approaching them and it fires on them and then it traps them in a tractor beam. Oh. And they're just like completely outmatched with this thing. Yeah. And then it uses some kind of a weapon to knock them out even though, you know, like remotely basically. Yeah. Uh, so then we go to the Astrometrics Lab and uh, this is the scene of the episode. No, um, so Taurus had called Paris into the Astrometrics Lab um, to, because she has a letter for Paris um, and she's just in the middle of pulling it up and decoding it or whatever. And then he acts so weird. He's like, oh, he's like, he's like, oh, I bet you it's for my dad. And um, he's like, and then he, he decides to get like really honest with, with, and I really like this because like she's so defensive because of what's happening with um, her emotions with the end of the Maquis. And Tom Paris has all of these like, conflicting emotions about the letters in gen and the alpha quadrant in general and they could be and they're both so bristly sometimes and they are both so non-communicative and like you know tidy of they're they're not good communicators you know but with each other they can be good communicators and in this episode in this scene they are because um Essentially, she tells, um, she's like, oh, it's from Owen. And he's like, oh, Owen Paris. And he's like, that's my dad. Is Owen. He said Owen. Yeah. yeah. Was, she, she was like, it's an Admiral Owen. And he's all, that's Owen Paris. Yeah, that's my dad. And then uh, he tells her, he's like, the more everyone gets excited about the letters, the more I just don't want any part of it. And he's like, I have so much here. He built, he changed himself so much. And he's built so much up on that ship. And so much of his self-worth is like in this new not necessarily personality, but new life that he's leading and the person in that life. He likes that person. He respects that person. And um, and then, like, you know, he has so much in, in even with, like, Blanche Torres. And um, 
he's just so worried that like he doesn't want any memories from the Alpha Quadrant because of who he was and how his life was in, in the Alpha Quadrant. It was like really beautifully said. And um it's so much better. Um Vo- have everything he has on Voyager is so much better than what he had at home. And uh, he even like in, in that he like kind of like acknowledges that Blonde Torres is part of that package, which is really nice. And then Tor is like, well, you can give your dad a chance. He, maybe his letter is thoughtful and loving and kind and is going to say all the things that you always wanted him to say. And it's like, well, maybe. Yeah. And he's like, bah! And he isn't convinced his dad, father has changed. And he just want, he's like, just tell me when it's over. Or like, tell me when you're done. I'll get it later. And he goes to like leave. And then Torres is like, uh, like essentially she's like, I resent the how bratty you're acting about the letters and which how you're you know reacting in with about it she's like because i just found out all the key people are dead and then tom paris is like i'm so sorry for you and he hugs her and like he doesn't even like it's just beautifully done and he calls himself out for, yeah for feeling like a brat you know about uh. his dad and then when she's going through this yeah and uh, it's really good. And Torres is like, you know, maybe your dad might just show you, might surprise you. He might show you that he loves you. And then she'll let him know when the whole letter comes through the system. And it's like, it was a beautiful moment of communication. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a really good scene. That It, it makes me, it gave me an idea, but I'll, I'll save it till, um, till a little bit later. But yeah, it's... Again, they found some interesting angles to take with the letters coming in and how everyone would react. And so there's like Kim just wanting to hear from his family. Paris doesn't doesn't, want to hear. Yeah, like it conflicted emotions. Janeway gets the news that she gets. Chakotay and Torres get the news that they get. Like it's not just like um, really basic, you know, like, oh, yeah, my family said this. Oh, yeah, my family said this. No. Yeah, it's like they used it as a good way to explore the characters. Yeah. So it's not really about the letters. It's about how they react to, the to even the idea of a letter. Yeah. In the ready room, Chakotay uh, comes in and says the letters are coming through better now. So Tuvok and Seven must have finished their job. Little does he know. <laughs> and... Um, they should be coming back into contact with the shuttle soon. And Janeway wants to stick around at the relay station to investigate the ancient structure, which I think is just their excuse to have them stay there because mm-hmm. the plot kind of needs it. Um, but she says something like, oh, these archaeological mysteries are always my favorite. And it, <laughs> it still read to me as them like they still don't quite know what they what Janeway's like interests are. No. Because it's like, ah, that's like a Picard thing, and you've never, which it could be both of your things, but you've never really shown a ton of interest in that in, well, in and previous Chicote's episodes. The, that's the, true. Um, anthropologist. Yeah, so he would even probably be more interested in, in this type of a thing, but I mean, whatever. I just thought it was funny that, like, mm-hmm. that's how they chose to keep them there, you know, in that part of space. Uh, Janeway also tells Chakotay that she got a Dear John letter from Mark. And she said Dear John letter. I was like, hey, I guess I'm old, too. So I said Dear John letter. <laughs> but do you remember the sitcom called Dear John? It's not. Yeah, I think it was on NBC, and it had, um, what's the guy's name? Judd Hirsch? I have no idea. Oh, it was a sitcom, that, and that was basically the premise of it, and the guy was having to 
kind of restart his life hmm. after his lady left him. So, Interesting. Yeah. Not <laughs> probably not airing on like Nick at Night or anything. It wasn't a I don't think it was a huge success. <laughs> Is Nick at Night still a thing? No, I don't think <laughs> Am so. Am I just a really, really old man? <laughs> old man. <laughs> Kim um Oh, did I say that that Mark is married now and he's? Oh, happy? that's what she tells him. Yeah, yeah. He, he did tell her that he missed her for a long time. Mm-hmm. He did. I'm his like, best. he couldn't be that long. It was only four years. But I was like, mm-hmm. now they're married. Eh, people's timelines are different. But yeah. I think it sounds like he did his best. It sounds like I don't think Janeway would pick a bad guy. No. Kim calls Janeway. Oh, the- but then Chicote he like comforts her and he's like, "Well," and you're like, "Well, now you guys can get together." <laughs> that's what you said. They like lean in a bit. You probably you probably did like a little fist pump when Janeway first read the letter and got the got the sad face. I was like, hell yeah. You were like, Yeah, goodbye, Mark. And like and I think Janeway did acknowledge she said that she was kind of using Mark as like a scapegoat not a scapegoat, or, but like a like a an anchor kind like of a block. Oh, okay. From moving on here to Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be hard though. You don't wanna be you don't know that the other person has moved on, but you don't wanna be the one to move you don't want to be the one that gets back home and is like, oh, well, I moved on. I mean, would you care? Would you even care if, like, say, let's say you and I got, like, separated by distance for whatever reason, right? Like, you went on the ship and then you, like, got lost uh, in another, yeah, or got, or something, yeah. And, um, but then, like, I moved on after, say, whatever, three years. And you held out for five years. Like, even though we both moved on, would you be upset that I moved on sooner? No, you know what? I don't begrudge. I don't begrudge people like their happiness. Like we all mourn differently and, and all that stuff. Like if I passed away, like there must be a some amount of time though that it would not be acceptable for a me to day, have moved on. Six months. I, I give you a year. Like a year. A year. Move on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Move on. You know, and I don't know, like. It, I will say, like, um, I've always been very content with myself. Like, I've always, like, you know, I like me. <laughs> I've always liked me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like, and I'm enough. Like, I've always been enough. And so I'm real picky. And I'm allowed to be real picky because I, it was just me. But that's hard, and, though, because it's, like, um, circumstances. It it's, took- like, not something that you chose or it's not, like, I changed and you changed. It's just, like. No, but I'm saying, like, I, it took me so long to find you. You know, and to, like, be willing to commit to you and, and to have a relationship with you, like, a real relationship with you. Um, like, and so, I mean, eight years ain't nothing to me, like, you know? Yeah. And it wouldn't necessarily be because, you know, I, I'm not in love with you anymore or, like, you know, whatever. It's just, like... To, it, a miracle that I found you, you know, in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, if I didn't find you, I couldn't imagine, especially in the town I live in, like, I could not imagine finding anyone else. And like, but I wasn't, I was okay with that. Like, I didn't yeah. care. Right. Um, and so, you know, I don't know. Like, so like the chances of like lightning striking twice, it doesn't even. So, you know, yeah, if you found someone, you know, move on. But, like, I think what would have stopped me from moving on wasn't necessarily, like, the idea of you waiting for me or the idea of, like, our love. It would just be, like, there wouldn't be anyone that I was, it was cool. Or, like, Especially you know. if you didn't think you were ever going to get back here. Yeah. Then it's like, I see, I see. Ah, that's so romantic. 
But is also, it? yeah, <laughs> also never. like I could see you saying that. <laughs> Would you be mad if you came back and you found out that I was still doing the podcast? Yes, I'd be like, how dare you? <laughs> That's where you draw the how line. How dare you, Sam? How dare you? Um, no, like, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I would say a year, six months, a year, um, you're fine. You'll be fine. And, and like, but like also on my end, it would probably take me like eight years, 10 years, if anything, because again, I go back to like, I'm real picky, you know? Yeah. Well, Janeway doesn't have to worry about that anymore. But she has Chakotay. Maybe Chakotay, yeah. far better than Mark. Like, he, he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. I will say, if Chakotay was on that ship, I'd be like, a year, yes. No, I'm, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I would move on the minute I saw Chakotay. If that was three days or five years. <laughs> if it's just like a whole ship of Tom Paris and Harry Kim, no thank you. <laughs> So what about you? How would you? What would you? How would you feel like the time wise and all that? Jazz? I would understand it. I would totally understand it. Yeah, to me, it would it would also depend on like what happened. Like, was it like some accident that no one could have ever survived, but I did? Because then it's like immediate. Because I'm dead, <laughs> like for sure. Or is it like there's some chance that they would have survived? Then I feel like, well, you need to give me that chance to, like, make it back, you know? How long is that? Uh, three years? No, not three years. I don't even think, yeah, I think, like, a full year. Yeah, one year. Yeah. I yeah. think, like, a full year is enough time to get over pretty much any, or not get over completely, but, you know. Yeah, be Start able to, to move on. Yeah, start to move yeah. on. Yeah. So, that's how I just felt like, I mean, like, when it, when a relative passes away, it's like, you got to get through all of those things that you're used to doing with them. Yeah. Um, the first, at least the first time, see mm-hmm. how it is, you know, and then it's like, okay, I've, I've done everything. I've gone through every day of the year without them. So I can like live my life now. Okay. Or I, I know what life is going to look like now so I can start to move on. So one year, Angelina. Okay. Yeah. Just sit around here. You can do the podcast by yourself. That's fine. <laughs> And then we'd come back through and do redo them once I was back. <laughs> and I'd be like, you gave that one a B minus? <laughs> what? This is obviously a B plus. <laughs> um, Harry Kim calls Janeway to the bridge before Chakotay can find out if she's ready to bone. <laughs> He's definitely going in that direction, though. You can you feel know? it. You can feel it, yeah. And then on the bridge, Harry Kim tells her that there's no one on Tuvok and Seven's shuttle. Like, dun, 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 Oh, so where are they at? They're on the Herogen ship. And Tuvok and Seven of Nine are being held prisoner in a creepy cell. Um, and it's got like all these nets and uh, body parts in them. Like more of those of the fleshy flesh- yeah, masks. masks. <laughs> the fleshy masks are everywhere. <laughs> Looks like my haunted house on Halloween. <laughs> it is that. Now I think I can really picture it. It's like. When you get like a Ronald Reagan mask or yeah. a George Bush mask or something, that's something what it basically like looked like. Yeah. There are also weapons mounted everywhere. Um, by seven of nine, there uh, two buckets seven of nine are bound and they can't reach them. And then a Hirogen guy comes in, and he's the Alpha Hirogen, and these they're huge. I mean, because I think um, the actress who plays seven of nine, she's what five nine, five ten. 
I don't know. And uh, Tuvok is pretty tall, I think, too. And these, I mean, these guys tower over them. Yeah, the, I didn't notice it so much the first time, but then the second time we watched it, I think it was a combination of, like, they got these people that are seven feet tall, and, and then I also... read that they also then put platforms on them, oh. so they're, like, maybe closer to eight feet tall. And then even when we first see them standing next to Tuvok and Seven of Nine, even the angle of the shot just made them like, seem that much bigger. bigger. Like, it was all really well done. Practical effects, people, right there. Um and then uh, he asks why Voyager was using their relay module, and Tuvok explains um, that they didn't mean any harm, and that uh, they they thought it was abandoned, and you know, and then um, and says if you just let us go, Voyager will go away. And then uh, the Hirogen, the Alpha Hirogen, says he won't let them go because he caught them as part of a hunt. So they are rightfully his. And again, I think it's the use of the word hunt that made me, re- reminded me of the Jem'Hadar. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, another Hirogen arrives and calls Chewbacca and 709 pitiful relics. But the Alpha Hirogen says, they are the first of their kind captured, so he will be admired. So we can already kind of see, we can tell that we're going to be seeing these people more. Yeah, they're, they're like already... the new bad guy, which mm-hmm. I, I really like them. They're pretty cool. They're interesting. And... And we're getting some of like the world building for them, uh, mm-hmm. how how their society works, and so yeah, it's like if you can capture people, and then if you can be the first one to with, suck all their essence out, yeah, of the really, yeah, and then you know, obviously the the more rare the the species species the more valuable it is to them mm-hmm. yeah it's real interesting so voyager's been detected and then the second herogen wants to wait for other ships before they engage with them but the alpha herogen says the other ships will want to share in their captures and he can't have that so he's going to go without them he's going to go it alone him against voyager which is probably the only reason why voyager is going to be able to escape <laughs> yeah yeah on the bridge voyager is able to find the ship and hails them and then he tells them to run and leave Tuvok and Seven behind. Uh, Janeway won't accept that, of course, and so she's ready to fight. So she doesn't, unless she quite understands what she's fighting. The last time she saw these guys, Seven and Nine zapped them from like a million miles away <laughs> and like, outsmarted them. But now it's a little different. Yeah. So we're back on the Hirogen ship, and the Alpha Hirogen wants to kill Tuvok, but the other one wants to get ready for the battle against Voyager. And of course, the Alpha Hirogen wins out. And the War of the Words, which, oh. you know, aren't very much. <laughs> yeah, with these guys. And they're all like... Rrr, rrr, rrr. They're like yeah. Bane from... Uh, <laughs> uh, Batman. D- yeah, Dark Knight Rises. Janeway wants to buy Torres time to finish getting the messages from the relay station. But the battle with the Hirogen is inevitable. Mm-hmm. So Janeway uses the black hole energy source to help Voyager against the Hirogen ship. Um, even though it's dangerous as hell. Because Janeway will always do the most dangerous... <laughs> thing in order to protect her crew she's so so reckless i love that about her which i feel like she's getting progressively more reckless that's like the defining the defining trait for her and i really like it because she's Uh it's it's not like it's not clever like she comes up with stuff that's clever right but it's also super dangerous We're back on the Hirogen ship, and whatever Voyager did to the relay station, the black hole is causing another disturbance, which prevents the Hirogen from k- killing Tuvok for now. Yeah, because it, like, bumps them all out of the <laughs> oh, way, right? Yeah. And everyone goes flying in all these directions. Yeah, it's 
saving Tuvok. And on the bridge of Voyager, the black hole becomes more unstable and it sucks up the relay station into it. And it's also sucking in the Hirogen ship. And they're uh, going to lose Tuvok and Seven if they lose the Hirogen ship. Kim's trying to beam them off the ship, but he can't as it's being sucked into the black hole too. And Kim finally uh, gets them beamed aboard though. And uh, now Voyager needs to escape the black hole. So they throw everything but the kitchen sink at escaping the black hole, taking down life support and all this stuff to, to give more power to get out of the gravity well. And it works, and they're able to break free. Mm-hmm. So we go back to the astrometrics lab, and Jane, and Torres tells Janeway the events of the last scene shut down. The whole relay system is all gone. Voyager no ending. No more letters from home. Voyager ending. But they did get the uh, Starfleet message. Um, it's just going to take some time to decode. And then uh, Janeway's going to take the last two letters, um, but, she, but Torres says, no, I'll deliver them. And um, that's it before they lost access to the station. So who knows how many letters they didn't get. Like, yeah. it's just sad. You're like, wah, wah. But what they did get was a letter from Harry Kim's family. So he's I happy. I think it would have been a bold choice to not have him get a Oh, that'd be like <laughs> Voyager ending on top of a Voyager ending. <laughs> what, is, what, what is the point of life? Like, right. Would we see Harry Kim in the next episode? <laughs> he just like locked in his room. For 75 years. <laughs> like, I'm never coming out. <laughs> um, Paris's couldn't be downloaded in time, though, so he'll never know what his father wrote. But on Torres' suggestion, he's going to assume that his father said he's proud of him and he loves him. So that's interesting. It's like, it's just his perception is different. I don't think that his dad would have. Like, why would you go to the effort of, like, writing a letter to be like, you're still the sucky yeah. With a son of mine, like what? For no. four years, I thought I'd never get to call you a loser again, but I've got another chance. Yeah. Oh, what a day! Yeah, it's like <laughs> also like after you, I'm, I, I, I assume because I don't know, but after I'm sure you thought you lost your child, um, getting them back, you're gonna get them back. You know, you're gonna you're gonna treat them or, or un, like you know. Love them in a different way. I, I wonder if that'd be an interesting little side episode. But people would probably hate it. But but to see an episode that doesn't really even have the Voyager crew in it, and just to see sort of a day in the life of a couple of like Mark and Paris's dad. Um, I don't know, maybe Torres's mom. Yeah. Um, Kim's family. Chikote's cousin? I don't know. Yeah, Chikote's cousin. Yeah, exactly. I've got, what was this? He had a cousin who lived in what, like Ohio or yeah. something? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that'd be great. Tuvok's family and, and Vulcan. Yeah, and just how everyone is kind of... Coping. Yeah, and then we could still learn more about the characters through that, that like, um, sort of a narrative structure. Yeah. Um, then we got that one last scene there. Oh, and how appropriate that it falls to you. The ready room. And Janeway deprives Tuvok about the Hirogen. And, of course, Tuvok says, mm, this is the last we're going to see of them. And, um, they're not going to be happy about what they did to the relay station. <laughs> it's, it's like the, um... Understatement it, of the year, well, and Tuvok. It's, and it's like the, um... Kazon all over again. <laughs> we blew up this the big thing in space that you didn't want us to blow up, <laughs> and now you hate us. And you're and you're pretty um, 
aggressive and somewhat barbaric. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Chakotay comes in to uh, uh, talk to Janeway and Tuvok leaves. And he and Janeway, again, I keep having their casual conversation about Mark's letter to Janeway and her prospects of ever having a relationship. And then Chakotay says she still has plenty of time. And he has his little dimple smile. And then, of course, the scene ends with them walking playfully arm in arm. And you're like, better make this happen, Voyager crew. I mean, I will say, like, they gave me Blanche Torres and Tom Paris. And... That, I mean, you know, which you is more than I would expect. More. <laughs> we don't deserve more. After, um, okay, this the last Strange New Worlds, and then I, I will never bring up Strange New Worlds again. I'll bring um, it up next week. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but that's not why, again, it's fun to ship. I, I'm a shipper. I like to ship people. And I, I'm probably, this podcast has spent way too much time probably shipping various people. I think on, you got a good track record of your ships, though. But here's my problem, is that Star Trek is not about the relationship. I mean, it's about, like, it's about the crew, and it's about, um, science, like, science fiction, like, and it has, like, good stories that make you question different ideologies, and, you know, it's like a mirror of, like, our world. Yeah. You know. But it's not a soap opera. Yeah, it's, it's not, not a soap not opera. A teen drama. Right, and if, if the whole relationship, if the, if a storyline... Like, was just about two characters getting together. That's not why you watch Star Trek. And so, if you've already gotten Tom and Blonde, Blonde Torres together, um, it was uh, Janeway Chakotay too much, you know? Can the first oh. officer and the captain really get into a relationship? Like, you know, I, I understand those things. And so... Um, you know, even though I say on this show I would be okay with it because of their situation. Yeah, like, yeah, it just makes it makes sense that that might happen on a ship that's stranded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, but I know what you're saying though. Yeah, it's but like, especially it's after not Strang- about it, yeah, like, after Strange New Worlds was just all about like romantic relationships. I'm just like I don't want to watch this. Yeah, <laughs> like I I I'm here I'm here for Chicotay, um, talking about like how important immigrant grins are, you know? Right. That's what I'm here for. Right. In reality. Yeah. I'm and here for the existential crisis of, of Neelix, you know? But yeah, they're trying to do... If you're talking about Stranger World... Are you talking about Spock and Chapel? Yeah. Well, yeah. and even Kirk and... Um, that lady? Yeah, the, the officer. Oh. Um, Una? No, the other is it Una? Kirk. Remember the episode where she went back in time with? Kirk? Oh, that. Oh, Kirk. I was thinking of Pike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe they're gonna do something with that. Well, no, they know. did do something. Whoa, with, that, with yeah. a version of him. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, and then, like, yeah, and Pike and his lady person, like, it's just too much. It's like, no, every episode? Are you kidding me? Right. Love Triangle with Spock, and it's just dumb. Yeah, that, that really is what And it's, it's like, that is not what I'm here for, for no, Star Trek. It's, and, yeah, it's supposed to be a smart show that, like you said, it's, like, anal- kind of analyzing and, and giving commentary on current events or, or just society at large, and... Yeah, and, and scientific it's not like they haven't had it, but it wasn't. We saw seven episodes or seven seasons of TNG, and they played around with 
Crusher and Picard over seven seasons, and then it didn't even go anywhere. No. And occasionally, like once a season, maybe would you even get a reminder that yeah. there was something there. And then toward the very end, Troy and Worf. And then Troy and Riker, I don't count that because that was a pre-existing relationship that I think was pretty well defined in the, its ambiguity, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. Like, the whole point of it was that it was, like, weird, almost, like, are we brother and sister? Are we close like that? Or, are we, you know? But, yeah. And then DS9 slowly did or and toward the end of a series or a series yeah if you want to do it toward the end of a series fine because it's like okay you we're, we're not gonna see them anymore anyway so i don't care oh like Odo if, like or yeah, yeah exactly there weren't really any hints of that toward until toward the end and then dax and Worf, and i think it keeps yeah. happening to Worf because it's trying to like bring out his like humanity. Well, also I think Worf is such a like character, and, and so stuff. like yeah, yeah. But so I mean, it's not to like cherry pick things to make the old shows sound better than the new ones, but um, but yeah, you're right. It's like there was never a whole episode about like, or and definitely not within the first two seasons of a show that only has ten episodes a season, and like it feels like seventy percent of them have been taken up with. Yeah, teen drama storylines and stuff. Anyways, so we we keep going on horrible tangents. But, um, <laughs> so, it, it goes back to, like, I do, like, I like a Jane White Chakotay ship as much as the next person. It's fun to play with. However, like, my expectations that they will do it, I don't have any, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's it, because I have the, like, they had to make one happen. Tom Belor and Taurus had to happen, or Chakotay Janeway had to happen, but both of them don't necessarily have to happen. Oh. Is, I guess, my stance. I, I don't have that But stance. only after Strange New Worlds. <laughs> <laughs> Strange New Worlds like, has cured too me. much romance is, yeah. <laughs> Again, with this show, I'm fine with it. For one, like, I trust the... The yeah. show would have to go completely off the rails for it to no longer even be like Star Trek anymore, you know? Yeah. And they have they they can't do that for twenty six episodes a season for the next three seasons. So I'm okay with if everyone gets with somebody on this show, you know? Yeah. But um but yeah, I I think I think it'd be really would it be really messed up if they had Janeway and Chakotay go arm in arm like that and then not have them get together? And it's hard because they, I mean, they went on a romantic like uh, <laughs> boat ride with champagne in the holodeck. Oh, you that's know? true. Yeah. I, they've done all kinds of like very romantic things. And you're like, it's like, why don't you? They're going to at least have to have to try it. Like the writers are going to have to try it out. I yeah. think you can't just drop it at this point. It's no. it's progressing in that direction. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What did you think about this episode, Sam? I really liked it. It was, um, everything we talked about was, like, on point. It was really well written. I think we've been watching the show enough to know, like, I can recognize the names of the writers and the directors. Oh, and Jerry and then Taylor. who puts the, yeah. the good work in. And yeah, this is almost like an all-star team as far as yeah. writer and director tandem mm-hmm. um, or pairing. Yeah. And um, and it shows in the episode. Not yeah, like 
Not that they couldn't make a bad episode, but they didn't this time. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I do think like it, it, even I even saw like a theme in the episode, which is goes back to what you were saying about Harry Kim and like the reason he wanted the letter so bad was because he doesn't have anything on the ship. And it was almost like that was kind of the theme of the episode in a lot of ways, though, was people realizing through receiving the letters what they do have on the ship. And so, like, um, Janeway and Chakotay are going to be able to get together. And, like, Paris and Tor, like, Paris even says, you know, I have, I like what I have here. Yeah. So I don't really care about the letters that much. Um, and Torres doesn't have anyone like you see, it really puts into perspective what the characters don't don't have in the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah. What they're traveling toward. But really, I mean it's like the cliche, like, you know, it was it was the friends we made along the way or whatever, <laughs> but it really is. Like Torres is going back to now nothing. She has no friends and she doesn't really have a family. Paris also doesn't have friends and doesn't have much of a family. But through this misadventure, they got each other. Yeah. Janeway probably could have had a pretty good life. Chakotay probably wouldn't have had a very good life. Would have been dead. But, yeah, or or in jail. And now, but maybe they'll get each other. Um, and so, you know, there's a couple of little instances of that where it's like, maybe this was a good thing for some people, you know? Yeah. And um, which then puts kind of the whole show in perspective. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, that's like the, the like a little taste of what maybe the the final episode or whatever episode they end up going back home could kind of be like and the message that all or the lesson that all the characters learn. So, yeah. I like that. And I mean, it's a kind of like last week was almost like a milestone episode because they're getting they made contact with the Alpha Quadrant. This one's kind of the same way because now they've heard back from people in the Alpha Quadrant. Um, so it's got, you know, ramifications that affect the whole the whole series concept. Mm-hmm. The I was truly impressed with the the Herogen, the size of the Herogen. Yeah, that was cool. Um, that was again, it goes back to like that see when I say practical, practical effects. Practical effects, yeah. Those are good practical mm-hmm. effects. You can't even imagine. I th- I thought it was pre- I thought it was CGI, <laughs> you know. But I was yeah. like, but it's so good because they just look so much smaller than those guys. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't seem really possible. Did. Yeah. But it's like, oh, when you know how to work a camera angle, and when you know how to do, um, when you know how to cast the right people, and when you know how to just make platforms, you don't have to shoot everything in a green screen, <laughs> right? <laughs> and have it look like a video game. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just finding out there was a lot of a lot of scenes in here that I think could maybe be up for some awards at the end of the season. I would mm-hmm. even throw the Tuvok Neelix scene in there yeah. as a possibility. So the Tuvok Neelix, Neelix scene, and then yeah, the Paris Torres scene, mm-hmm. I think um, would be up there. But then also like the Tuvok Seven scene in the shuttle was really good, and then the the um, couple of Janeway Chicote scenes of course got our mouth watering so yeah there's almost nothing bad to say about this episode except oh, I'm gonna give it an A minus instead of an A because it got a 
it got a little bogged down once Tuvok and Seven got on the Hirogen ship. Yeah. It, it really wasn't for that long, but it felt like it slowed the episode down a lot. And then the Hirogen, we're going to keep seeing them, I have a feeling, but they're kind of goofy. <laughs> they're cool looking because they're so big, but yeah. the whole, the, the costumes do kind of look like a toy. And then they've got the whole, like, filtered voice thing going on but i'm still i mean i'm excited to see them but they're also kind of kind of corny and i don't know how they could have fixed that so um a minus i think voyager's on a roll i think this episode message in a bottle was the neelix afterlife episode before that one or was there something else before there was something else okay it was the dream one Oh, oh, but I like that one too, and I like the the Neelix Afterlife one. Yeah. So they're on a roll right now. Good job, Voyager. What about you? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I really, um, I like that Tom Paris didn't actually get the letter from his dad. Mm-hmm. So you know, and he's still dealing with his dad issues, but he wasn't able to be like, oh, his dad has these kind words for him, and so that's gonna make the that working through the dad problems, his dad issues so much easier. It's not like he has to come to terms with his relationship with his dad without any input from his dad. And I think that is a very, cause so many, so often if you do have dad issues or you have parental issues or family issues, um, in the end, you don't get what you're looking for from your parents. That's why you have the issues to begin mm-hmm. with. Um, and, but having to come to terms with all of that and who you are as a person Without their input. And that's what Tom Paris has to do. And I really, really like it. And that. it shows it's like good writing. I don't even know if it's next level writing or if it's just like exactly what it needed to be. Because if he gets a letter, if he gets the letter from his dad, then it tells us more about his dad than it tells us about him. Yeah. But yeah, the fact that he didn't means that he had to, um, it was a conflict within him. And yeah. he's the one who had to come to terms with it. Whatever way, it would it would tell us more about the character either way. If he made the choice that he made in this episode, or if he went the opposite way and was like, you know what, I don't need my dad's love, or something like that. You yeah. know, it's fine. Like that tells you something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a hack writer would have been like, well, what are we gonna have the letter say? Yeah. <laughs> but Jerry Taylor is gonna go. We're not gonna know what the letter says. <laughs> and Tom Paris isn't gonna know what the letter says yeah. either. Yeah. 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 We do like that. Um. And, um, I, I did like, yeah, like we had, a, they, we can't like, for the most part, the characters had to come to terms with what the letters, like their, what, what the, mm-hmm. they, their reaction to the, what the letters held, you know. But they didn't have this baggage like Paris has. Yeah. So it wasn't as important for them to work it out on their own. No. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad they got rid of Mark. So now oh, maybe hoping the way for Jen with Chakotay, which I do like, um. And again, I like the seven oh nine situation where she like oh, yeah. put it on Janeway. I really, really like that. I like the uh, Tuvok uh, seven oh nine episode, and I absolutely adore. Like I like clap, slow clap, blaze of glory. Oh like, yeah! It was so it got tied masterful. Into that. It mm-hmm. was masterful. It was like it's a great episode of DS Nine, and then to bring it back and like the fact that you looked it up and it was a year later, 
I mean, that's brilliant. Yeah. That's what, that's what you're, when you're watching Star Trek and you're immersed in the universe, in the universe, that's what you're looking for. It's like the writers didn't forget about the Maquis, even though they were done with the Maquis over on the other show, too. Like, these ones remembered, well, like, these characters were the Maquis, and they, that's who their ties are. Yeah. And we're like, well, that didn't end well for them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I like that. I really like that. It also reminded me, real quick, it, it did remind me, too, that, like, what is going to happen to them when they go back? Because even when Torres, like, I don't think Torres really meant, or I think she meant it when she said it, but she calmed down. But even, remember, she's like, I'm going to make someone pay as soon as yeah. we get back or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, are you just going to go, like, revive the Maquis? Is that your goal? I mean, yeah. again, I don't. I think she came down off of that, and then I think having Paris yeah. really helped with that because she'd be throwing that away. But yeah, what happened? But what happens to her? Does Paris go back to the jail and Torres goes to a different jail because she was Maki yeah. and Chicote goes to jail? I'm assuming they're all gonna get like oh yeah, it's, yeah, they, yeah. It's not that like <laughs> it's not that nihilistic of a no, show. Or no, <laughs> like, no jail Ulti- for all of you. Ultimate Voyager. <laughs> that would be the ultimate Voyager ending. <laughs> That's what that's the Voyager ending. The Starfleet crew sacrifices so the Maquis crew can get home. Oh, and then the minute that the, the Starfleet sees the Maquis crew, they're like, You killed everyone on Voyager. You imprisoned a lot of you. Yeah, yeah, and then they all go to prison. That's yeah. that's the ending. We don't even watch the show anymore. That's yeah. the ending. Well it's been fun. That's how it goes. Um yeah. And I really like the conversation Blana Torres and Tom Paris did have. Like they, they got what they needed emotionally from each other, which I thought was really mm-hmm. beautifully done. Um Torres acknowledged that he is a completely different person than he was, that he's grown so much and that even if his dad isn't proud of him, his dad would be proud of this Tom Paris, you know? And then he acknowledges, like, the hurt and the pain that she must be feeling from losing the Maquis. Mm. And it was just, it was, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. That scene was fantastic. And it's like, this is why they're such a strong couple, I mm-hmm. think. Um, yeah, like, the only, I have two complaints. Uh, like, and it goes back to, like, how sad for Harry Kim, like, his storyline just was, like, Every time he'd get that little sad pout face, I'm like, stop, <laughs> grow up. Like, I know, I, I mean, again, I'm not in that position and it, it would be terrible to like be so far. Like, I couldn't have imagined being in the position that the Voyager crew is in. But it's just like, you, but you're not alone. You're not special. Like, first of all, you're not special and you're not the only person. Everybody doesn't have like letters. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it, I think they do struggle. I don't know if they'll ever not struggle with what Harry Kim is on this show. And what to do with him. I feel like every character that I've ever seen in Star Trek up to this point was, like, was, um, had their footing by now. And but he's Kim not. still doesn't. Like, mm-hmm. in the middle of season four, and we're still like, what is this guy? Like, what's the deal? All his, all his episodes are boring or... Like, if they're about him, you know, yeah. then it's kind of boring. Or insane, like that one. Or the, yeah, they're, like, super outlandish because he's just, like, this, like, this, like... Uh, blank slate. Yeah, blank slate that you can put into any situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and then also, uh, the ma- like, the one practical effect that didn't work was when you saw the, the uh, husks <laughs> of the people. <laughs> and it was like, oh, you could have worked a little harder on that practical effect. <laughs> you sure made sure those Harrigen were, like big and bulky and like bigger than life larger than life and then you like you have them do this like, yeah it's like mm-hmm. just probably don't even show that <laughs> it's, not, it's not worth it 
Um, so I, I, I would have, without those two things, I would have given it an A. But because of those things, I'm giving it an A minus. A minus? But it's a high A minus at a 93%. Oh, okay. Very good. Yeah. Same same grade. Whenever that happens, we should have some kind of a special sound effect. <laughs> and I'll put it in right now. <laughs> Tell us what you think. Email us at displacedinspacepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Displaced in Space Podcast. All of this and more can be found on our website, displacedinspace.com. And if you'd like to make the podcast better and stronger, the site also has links to Venmo and PayPal. Finally, if people are enjoying this podcast, what should they do, Sam? Subscribe. What else? Leave a review wherever they're listening. What else? Tell a friend. Okay, then, until next time. Podcast, podcast out. out.